Hi, Eric Bailey, Eli Letterman here for your weekly OU sports podcast, I guess we'll call it. We're sitting here, we'll talk everything OU athletics as we go into week 10 of the Sooners football season. Basketball starts up, it's signing day, everything's starting to come together. It's like the perfect storm of athletics right now, Eli. You get to November and you've done like two and a half months of football and you're, you're maybe beginning to fade a little bit and then you get recharged or just the plate gets a whole lot more full with basketball. As you said, there's signing day. We're coming off an election night last night. There's a lot going on. It's a busy week, and uh, busy is now the Sooners head to Morgantown this weekend. You know, I would have never thought, Eli, five and four going into week 10. I, I You know, it's funny. The moniker around OU football for in recent years has been championship November. Uh, never would have thought in a million years that they need one win still to reach bowl eligibility. But this football Game coming up, this is their biggest chance. West Virginia is reeling. Uh, Oklahoma's had a ton of success against the, against the Mountaineers since they joined the Big 12. Hasn't, haven't lost to them in 10 meetings. So I, I just uh, I think it's just one of those things where if Oklahoma is going to get right, this is a good team to get right against. I think so. And I, I guess to your point, of you really never would have expected this. We had an interesting conversation with we'll, we'll our, our talk with Garen Ebigan yesterday of, of kind of the order of operations for the Sooners this year. I think if you'd said in August, if the expectations had been set right, that they, you know, five and four and that this was kind of going to be the year it was in, in year one with Brent Venables after all they lost in the offseason. But it was kind of the way it's gone down, which was the hot start in non-conference play, the ugly, ugly, ugly losses that they've had, uh, especially in October. And that it, the feelings are very different than maybe if, if it, you know, had just gone a different way. And it's, it's funny that here we are now. They're still chasing bowl eligibility. As you said, I think this could really be a get-right game. But what if before we get to West Virginia, what what's your take, I guess, on that, on on maybe the way this season has developed and where we are now? You know, when you look at it, Eli, this team, and it's funny, you don't want to play this game. I mean, if, if you're if if you're an optimist, you look at it and say, oh, you could easily be seven and two right now, or seven and yeah, seven and two. They yeah. should have won the Kansas State game, they should have won the Baylor game. Uh, yeah, those two games, you could be seven and two and feeling a lot better than five and four. Uh, really just stunned, I guess, and, and we talked about this in recent weeks. I'm just stunned that they haven't shown the improvement you'd expect week to week. I mean, you kind of be making that progress forward and, and you just wonder what's going to happen these next three games. Are they, you know, it's not only progress on the field. What is this, what is this team's attitude? Well, you know, how, what about that competitive edge within themselves, that competitive fire within themselves? Are, are they going to be able to have that to finish the season strong? Uh, we'll have to see. But, yeah, well, the Baylor game, that was, uh, Eli, you look at that first half, five possessions, uh, three turnovers, a turnover and downs, which effectively is a turnover, and then the missed field goal, you lose by mm -hmm. three. I mean, you, you want to feel good about, you know, the chances that you had, but then again, it's a loss. So that's got to be tough to tough to swallow. I mean, it ends up being a one-score game. You know, you could say it would have been a 10-point game if, if Squirrel Williams runs in that one at the end. You know, he, he took that break. But, you know, really, to your point, offensively, they had opportunities. I mean, they turned the ball over, whether they were Dylan Gabriel's fault or not, those tip passes. I think Jeff Levy would tell you he was probably on the hook for one and a half of those at best. Um, but, but there was that. And then in terms of progress, coming out of the bye week, the performance they had against Iowa State and uh, obviously a, a pretty – for Iowa State run game, that that could have been the starting point of, of some upward trend on the defense to, to, to close the season. Then it's Baylor, and it's kind of the same deal. It has been a Big 12 play, 281 rushing yards, and they just got 
run over. And that, to your point, is where you're not quite seeing the progress you'd, you'd hope to see. Brings us to this weekend, which I think can, almost like Iowa State and Kansas, for be a get-right game for the Sooners. I mean, West Virginia seems to be in dire straits. We'll see how long Neil Brown is, is hanging around there. But we were talking before we started recording, 200 yards of offense last week, 76 yards on the ground. They ran 49 total plays. I mean, this this is a good time to be seeing West Virginia is the point. It, it should be the weekend. OU gets that six win. We can stop talking about bowl eligibility. Uh, and then you just wonder what those next two games could look like. But uh, it starts this weekend. 11 first downs, Eli. They only had 11 first downs, two of 12 on third down. We deep into this West Virginia. And, and you know, Iowa State had a lot to do with it. You know, Iowa State's the best defense in the league. Uh, so they had a lot to do with it. But still, you just expect a, a quarterback like JT Daniels. I mean, they 8 of 22 for 81 yards passing. I mean. Yeah, we're talking about a former Georgia quarterback right there. Ex- exactly. Exactly. And and that's the thing. I mean, the defense is going to really have to – I think it's one of those games, again, kind of like the blueprint to success. They need to get that early lead, put pressure on on West Virginia and and not let this be a game going into the third and fourth quarter. The second half, they need to have control of this game, especially playing in Morgantown. It is tough to win in Morgantown. A lot of teams find, out, find that out. Uh, interestingly enough, Eli, this is the first time they've had an 11 o'clock game there since they joined the Big 12. It's always been night games. It's always been primetime games. Uh, well, OU, lo and behold, six time and 10 times this year, 11 a.m. So we'll see what life is like uh, at, in the afternoon in Morgantown. I'm kind of curious about that. But yeah, you and, and you know, someone else you mentioned while you were talking was Dylan Gabriel. Uh, three interceptions. You know, he only had one coming into the game against Baylor through three in the first half. Uh, real uncharacteristic. Uh, Jeff Levy talked about some of the throws. Uh, should have been better, want to be better. And the third one, off his back foot into coverage, you just hadn't seen him throw, put the ball in jeopardy. And I just wonder if it's him trying to do uh, too much and understanding the way the world's on his shoulders. And maybe he just felt like I need to make a play there and he just threw a bad ball. But you you wrote about about Dylan in today's Tulsa world when it is Wednesday. Uh, just, you know, can you talk a little bit about what Dylan said about how he's trying to bounce back from that game? Yeah, the reality is, I mean, he that you use the word uncharacteristic, and that's exactly what that was. Because Dylan Gabriel, the the one selling point he's had, I mean, he had the fumbles against Kansas, but really was, you know, if, if you wanted to knock his accuracy or, or talk about how he's not Baker Mayfield or, or Kyler Murray, uh, what you could certainly say in defense of him has been that he takes care of the football, and that wasn't the case Saturday. Uh, I mean, two of those balls were were tipped, and you, I mean, one at the line of scrimmage, one downfield. It was that third one that Jeff Ledby really harped on and basically just said, you know, Dylan's not done that all year. So it was not, that's not the Dylan Gabriel we've seen. And I think this week, you know, it was the fr- only the second time in his career, in his college career, he's thrown three picks in a game. So this is now that bounce back week. And, you know, un- unsurprisingly, both from what you usually hear from a quarterback and an offensive coordinator, but what we've heard from Dylan and, and Jeff Ledby all fall is just kind of getting back to work and and fixing the mistakes. And, and the, I think the good thing here is that this OU offense, which has been the strength of this team, they've gotten by still with, with some sloppy play, whether it's penalties, turnovers, lack of overall execution. But this is the kind of weekend where they should be able to get away with those things. I, I think against the better defenses and better teams in this conference, it's shown that the, the little things they're not doing are coming back to bite them. But with that West Virginia offense and then a West Virginia defense that gave up 31 points to that Iowa State offense, when we saw them in Ames, Beyond Xavier Hutchinson, that is not much of an Iowa State offense. So if they give up 31 to them, this should be a, a defense that OU can go there and and do its things. And, and as much as it might be a get-right game for the Sooners, Dylan Gabriel certainly could go there 
and kind of have that get right day he probably needs. We'll see how OU uh, plays away from Norman. Uh, we've seen uh, both ends of the spectrum. We've seen them go to Nebraska and we've seen them go to Iowa State and really play well. Then again, we've seen them go to the Cotton Bowl in Dallas and we saw them go to mm -hmm. TCU and, and struggle. So we'll see how that blueprint is. And sometimes there's a lot to be said for getting away from home and just being a, having that us against the world mentality. We'll see if they have that. Um, and, uh, you know, one more thing about OU's offense, going back to the offense, and, and we talk about this player every week, Eric Gray continues to just impress with what he's been able to do. I mean, if you think Dylan Gabriel's 1A on importance to this offense, Eric, Eric Gray's 1B. Those Both those guys, they need to be playing. They need to be effective. And, and Eric Gray, he's, he's, he's really finishing the season strong. I've just been impressed with what he's doing running the football. He's been, I mean, as good as, as there's been uh, on this offense. You're exactly right. And uh, last week was interesting because we kind of saw a new dimension. We'd heard about his pass catching ability in the preseason because he has it. It's part of his skill set, and it's really part of this of, of a kind of traditional Jeff Levy offense. But we hadn't seen it much. Uh, but against Baylor, they saw something in that defense that said, "Let's get the ball in the running back's hands through the air." Uh, and Eric Gray delivered there too. And I, I think Brent Venable said it yesterday. You know, he's been as consistent a guy as they've had um, th this season, and and. It, it's showing and it, it really you say 1a 1b I mean he, he is right up there uh, but behind him uh, crucially or perhaps crucially is, is whether Javante Barnes is back this week because I think they did miss him a little bit those mm -hmm. short yard situations and he's been dealing with the hamstring injury and uh, no real update this week Jeff Levy was um, seemed pretty eager to get him back and you know said he's feeling good the fact that that Javante Barnes dressed and warmed up yeah. Saturday would would hopefully indicate a return for for the sake of the Sooners run game, but he's been really important. I think they missed him last week uh, behind Eric Gray, but in terms of RB1, I mean, he's been as good as it gets. <laughs> uh, some off the field news, uh, really a tough blow to Oklahoma in terms of recruiting as we take this Wednesday, uh, November the 9th, we are six weeks from signing day and six weeks from an important day for the future of Oklahoma football. They need depth, they need players, they need talent. Uh, and uh, Colton Vosick, uh, the Austin linebacker, or defensive end, uh, really was high on their board, uh, flipped uh, to all schools, to Texas, and just a, a tough blow for this Oklahoma team who really needs playmakers on that defensive line. Someone that they really, really counted on was Vasek. and we saw a couple of days ago when he kind of wiped OU from all his social media home pages, you kind of said, oh, okay, this doesn't look good. And I think it, it allowed Oklahoma fans to kind of brace for yesterday's announcement that he did flip. So, uh, but again, you know, Jeff Levy talked recruiting. I had a chance to ask both Jeff Levy and, and Ted Roof, what's your message to these recruits? You guys are struggling. I mean, how do you, how do you address that? And Ted Roof said something interesting. He said, you have to talk about it because if you don't talk about it, the teams that are recruiting against you will definitely talk about it. And uh, so I thought that was interesting. And then Jeff Levy, he said that, you know, you tell them, you know, trust the process. Things are going to be OK, you know, and, and that's that's hard for anyone in this in this era where everything's so fast. Everything moves fast. The kids today, they want it now. And even fans, we're seeing fans, it's tough being patient. But that's where Oklahoma, the Oklahoma program is. Though. They need people to be patient. And uh, I think that was Jeff Levy's message to recruits out there. Be patient. Things are going to get right. It just takes a little bit of time. Yeah, I mean, this this particular kind of development with Colton Vosick does bring me back to the spring. And Brent Venables talking about, um, you know, he was asked by our friend, Bob Prisbolo, <laughs> uh, about kids 
after they've committed, make taking visits to other schools. It's a trend in college football. It's it's kind of I think like it or not, whether these whatever policy a team can have, maybe this is case in point. Uh, doesn't really matter because Brent Venables went on his whole diatribe about commitment is not a reservation. If you're committed here, we're not going to rush you, but when you commit, be committed. Um, and in this instance, uh, you know, Colton Voss committed in, in August, but took some additional visits after that, as is his um, complete right and all that. But um, that kind of flew in the face of, of everything Brent Venables had said in, in the spring. And now here you are with a, a pretty significant blow. I mean, this, if you think back a couple months ago, this could have been quite a D-line class coming in in 2023. If, if David Hicks, who later, who kind of flipped from the Sooners to AM, uh, had committed, and if they had Colton Vasek, because you'd have had them coming in with, with PJ, Adebawore. Eric, you want to try that name? Uh, double A. Hey, PJ, <laughs> I call him Double PJ, A. There you go. Him <laughs> and Derek LeBlanc. I mean, those are the two guys that now are, and remain, and, and it's why there still should be some optimism about the defensive line in particular with this incoming classes, those two guys are still a pair of really legit, you know, probably future contributors at the very least for the Sooners. Uh, but you lose Colton Vosick and you, you just miss out on David Hicks. And that's where, you know, you kind of go from having a pretty impressive or, you know, top of the country. I think David Hicks would have taken them to the second rated recruiting class in the nation. Yeah. If you have that going in the SEC, you feel pretty dang good. It's take it, been knocked down a few pegs. There's still time, like you said, six weeks. Yeah. Um, but yesterday was, a, was, I would say, a bit of a blow for, for that class that we did see coming. Yeah. Um, football, again, West Virginia, Oklahoma at West Virginia, 11 o'clock local time. Uh, Oklahoma trying to reach bowl eligibility with three games to go, so we'll see what happens. The switch sports to basketball. Um, men's and women's had their openers on Monday night. Uh, went 500 for the night. Should have should have swept it. Uh, it's shock. What Let's start with the women. Let's start. Let's with start the with you. Want to start with the the happy things first? Yes. Let's uh, start with Jenny B and the and the OU women who got off to <laughs> a flying start. Well, Oklahoma played uh, Oral Roberts, which is out of Tulsa, so that was fun to get to see Oral Roberts and and see uh, a really a feisty ORU team. I think it was one of those games where they were caught off guard. Oklahoma. Man, they poured it on. They Oklahoma led 67-37 at halftime. The 67 points was a, a record for a school record for points and a half. Uh, everything looked good. And then lo and behold, ORU outscores OU 57 to 38 in the second half. O, OU gave up 57 points in the second half. So final score 105-94. Uh Jenny Branchek was happy with the first half play, not happy with the second half play, tell the two halves, but a lot of players, a lot of playmakers out there making, you know, a lot of veterans out there. I think that's the thing about this team. There's a lot of team leadership. I mean, Maddie Williams had 19, Skylar Van had 18, Nevea Todd had 13. Anna Lunusa, I'll get her name right one of these days. She's back. She's healthy. So this is going to be a very fun team to watch. And that's something Jenny uh, Branchak said during her uh, post-game press conferences. This is going to be a fun team to watch. And, and uh, they play Friday. They got the morning matinee game uh, against Arkansas Pine Bluff, 1030 at Lloyd Noble Center's Kids Day. It's going to be the loudest game of the season for the for the women's team. But uh, it was a good start for the Sooners, number 15 in the nation right now. And uh, we'll see what's going on there. Uh, so as soon as that game ended, uh, <laughs> the men's game started and Man, uh, just a shocking, shocking finish. I mean, just just really shocking. Well, on the OU women, they have some really, really serious players. They're good. They are going to be fun to watch. I'm I'm really excited to just. I mean, even if they're going to play a lot of games like that, that are 
almost looking like NBA or WNBA scores at high scoring. Fantastic. They're fun. <laughs> fun to watch. It's fun to watch them play offense. That's for sure. As for OU, uh, the men, their offense was not so fun to watch the other night. And it, you said a tale of two halves for the women's game. This was a tale of 35 minutes and then five minutes uh, on, on Monday night because for the first, you know, up until the 514 point in the second half, the story would have been that, that OU had not played especially well, played pretty ugly. They were turning the ball over beyond Tanner Groves and, and Grant Sherfield. There wasn't a whole lot of scoring. Jalen Hill and CJ Nolan went 0 for 12 combined from the field. So it was an, it was an ugly night as it, as it was. And then those final five minutes, uh, a Sam Houston team that was, that really did push the Sooners all game. It was low scoring for a reason. Uh, they just got hot shooting. Lamar Wilkerson finished five of six from three point range. And the Sooners, who looked kind of gassed at the end and in a sense imploded. Um, they just, they couldn't close it out and, you know, went from one end in the very final sequence. Tanner Groves had a finger roll that just didn't have enough. The Sooners really didn't get back in transition defense. That bothered Porter Moser a lot. Uh, and there you were for Lamar Wilkerson. It, it became familiar by the end of the night, him splashing a three in the Sooners' faces. And uh, and that did it. It was, it was kind of a shocker. I think both the result, but um, but how it went down, even, you know, the players afterward and Porter Moser, uh, I think there was some just disbelief as much as all the frustration and everything else. Now, Eric, I'll ask you a trivia question. Okay. Who was, who was the president the last time OU scored fewer points? They scored 51 the other night. Fewer <laughs> points in a, uh, in, a pre in a season opener. In a season opener? Yeah. Um... I'm going to think 70s, maybe early. I'll, I'll say Nixon just because I'll think back a long way away. Dwight D. Eisenhower, <laughs> 1956. It's been a very long time. I mean, that was a different kind of basketball. So Sooners 51 points. I mean, that you got to give some credit to the visitors. But that, I think, is is if you if you want to just chalk this up to, you know, an early season loss, we won't think much about in March. That's quite possible. But those 51 points and, and really the performance – even until those final five minutes and, and what went down, probably a bit concerning. But the Sooners of Arkansas Pine Bluff Friday, it'll be a chance to uh, to maybe get right. But Pine Bluff took TCU down to the wire the other night. So might not be an, another easy one for him. Man, that's almost 70 years. That's that's crazy. Uh, yeah, and, and another, I mean, it's going to be tough. You said you got to hope you're Oklahoma fan too. This isn't a loss that really hurt you in March in the selection committee's eyes because o, OU fans know all too too well, uh, you know, they they want to, they got to control the, the the narrative. They can't let people decide if they're going to put them in and losses like this. Now you become a Sam Houston fan. You need them to win as much <laughs> as possible so you can, uh, you can get places. So, all right. Well, Eli, signing day today. We'll find out later today who different sports, uh, mm -hmm. men's basketball, women's basketball, softball, baseball, uh, everyone, a lot of new faces are going to sign with Oklahoma. So we'll have all that coverage in the Tulsa world later this week. And uh, uh, parting thoughts, anything, uh, just any well, parting Eric, thoughts? Enjoy your trip to Morgantown. I'm, <laughs> I'm bummed I won't be joining you, but it, that's one of my favorite Big 12 trips. It's obviously the, the easternmost. You'll, you'll see some terrain you don't maybe get in Kansas and, and Oklahoma. Uh, and uh, you got to, if, if Barry Trammell invites you anywhere for dinner Friday night, you got to go with him because he, he knows his way around that city. Barry Tremont at the Oklahoman man guy. Uh, he's a foodie. That's for sure. He knows where to eat all the time. And he knows so many restaurant owners too. will go to places and he, uh, the owner comes up and says, Barry, we go to Kansas City. We go to the same place in Kansas City. So that's something else. 
All right. Well, that's up. That's enough for today. Uh, Eli, appreciate it. Uh, as always, Apple, Spotify, uh, Google, wherever your plat- whatever platform you use, you can catch yourself every week talking OE Athletics. Everyone out there, have a great week.